friends. Welcome to the In the Whisper podcast. I'm your host, Nita Wilkinson. We all know that life is just plain hard sometimes. Join me each week as I talk to a girlfriend about their journey of overcoming and how it always leads back to Jesus. Hello, friends. I am so glad to have you back with me on this December day. The sun is shining the wind is whipping, but it is just a beautiful day to be alive. And I am all by myself today, and we're going to talk about something that you might consider to be a little boring, but I want to show you some of the fascinating pieces of this part of scripture. And as many of you know who have listened to this podcast, there was a point in my life where I prayed to have a great desire to dive into God's word. He blessed me tenfold with that prayer. And I can tell you there's not a word in the Bible that does not just make my heart sing. So today, we're going to talk about the begats in Matthew. I'm sure, now before you turn me off, just listen for another minute. I'm sure that you're thinking, oh my goodness, this is going to be the most boring podcast ever. And I hope that is not true because there are a lot of good nuggets in here that will show us a lot about who Jesus was when he walked on this earth and will show us the character of God. And there's just some really fun things in there. So before I get started diving into Matthew, I do want to talk a little bit about the differences in the genealogy in Matthew and Luke. One isn't right or wrong over the other, but what what it is is that Matthew is really getting into the pieces that show Jesus's holy line, where Luke goes backwards, by the way, from Joseph to Adam. And so there's going to be some nuanced differences. I've read a lot of different commentaries about it, and some of them talk about, you know, wives that might have had more than one husband, and there might have been some confusion. And there's there's all kinds of reasons. But Matthew does not list the entire genealogy. He has done his in a way that splits it up to show the number 14, where Luke is, is showing the whole lineage from Joseph to Adam. So it's it's different that way. But just because they're different doesn't mean that they're contrary. And I guess that's the point I want to make. Matthew's genealogy divides up the generations into three parts of 14 generations. The first 14 are from Abraham to David. The second from David until the time of Jeconiah when he was carried away to Babylon. And then the third is from the time at Babylon to the day Jesus to Jesus himself. That's what Matthew uses. And he's got some really interesting pieces in here that I kind I really want to focus on the women in the lineage that Matthew puts forth. Because historically women were not in lineage at that time. It was always from the man's perspective. But Matthew lists five women, including Mary, that are in the lineage of Jesus. And I, that's who I want to look at. And I want to take talk about, first of all, who those women were, because that's important, but also 
why were they there? And so we're going to go back to Tamar. And if you don't know the story of Tamar, you can read that in Genesis 38. And Tamar was actually probably a Canaanite. So she had married into the the family of Abraham and, and now we're down to Jacob's sons. And she had married one of Judah's sons but never had gotten pregnant. Tradition would say if she didn't get pregnant, then one of the brothers upcoming would would, um, marry her and give her a child. Well, Tamar was forgotten. She was a woman who was forgotten by Judah and his clan. And so (laughs) Tamar decided to take things into her own hands and dressed as a prostitute and she, um, and we'll use the word enticed, <laughs> enticed Judah and got pregnant by him. She was forgotten, but she wasn't going to give up. And she wasn't Jewish. So now I want to get into Rahab because you all know the story of Rahab. It's in Joshua 2 and then also later in 6 and 7. And Rahab, I love the story of Rahab because she was so strong and so bold and did what she needed to do for her family. And I have to think from the conversations that she had with Caleb and the men when they came, the spies that uh, Israel had sent forth, that she had been studying about the Israelites and their God. And I almost feel like she was either intrigued or already believed in this God that they had, that that the Israelites had. But regardless, she saved the Israelites by hiding them and um, making sure they were able to leave. She did ask that if she helped them to get back to Israel safely and took them in, that when she when they came back and took over the land, which she had, she by faith knew they were going to win this battle. Is what part of what makes me think that they that she knew what God was doing for the Israelites. She already believed that. She said, "When you come back, I just ask that you save my family and myself." And then there's the whole cord, red cord and all of that. And they did come back and they kept their promise and they took Rahab back to the Israelite camp. And it was there that she met Salmon, who was the father of Boaz. Rahab is Boaz's mother. And then, of course, that takes us to the story of Ruth, who married Boaz. And Ruth also was not an Israelite. So we have Tamar, who's likely a Canaanite, Rahab, likely a Canaanite, and Ruth, who was a Moabite. But when she married, she knew and believed in the God of Israel. And God blessed that. And so she was, after her first husband died, she was able to marry Boaz, also an Israelite. And Ruth was the mother of Obed, who was the father of Jesse. And Jesse was the father of King David. So these first three women in the first 14 generations are not even Israelites. They bring different blood into the Israelite nation. So we have Tamar and we have Rahab and we have Ruth. 
all in the first 14 generations. Then the next set of generations, right away we have David. He starts that set out. And what does David do? But he has an affair and actually kills Bathsheba's husband so that he can be with her. Or he's already been with her. And now he wants Uriah, her husband, out of the picture. So, sadly... Bathsheba doesn't get her name in the genealogy. What it actually says is David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been had been Uriah's wife. So she gets she's named sort of. Um, it's her first husband, and uh, I find that interesting as well. But the other piece of all four of these women is none of them were perfect. Tamar was deceitful in how she got Judah to impregnate her. Rahab was a prostitute before she came to the land of Israel. Ruth was a Moabite. We don't see a big list of sins for her, but the Moabites were not, were specifically not supposed to marry with Israelites, but God did bless her because she believed in him anyway. And then Bathsheba, who doesn't even get to be named because she had an affair with David, and her husband was killed over it. So that's a little bit of the lineage that we see with Jesus. We can go back to Judah and, and how he... <laughs> you know, was a part of trying to kill his brother. And then, of course, he slept with a prostitute. They're ever, all along the line. And even Manasseh was one of the worst kings that, that the land of Judah had. But he's in the lineage of Jesus. I don't know if you've ever done your genealogy of your family. I know my son is working on it right now, and he's taught me some really interesting things. My dad, years ago, uh, worked on his side of the family's genealogy. And they found out that one of his great-great-uncles, or maybe further, but um, was a, um, he was at the prison camp at one of the Jewish, uh, at one of the Jewish camps. And my dad was devastated by that and took it as a personal affront because blood that ran through him had been a part of such a horrific legacy in our history. And I I think about that and it's, you know, my dad would never do that. My grandfather would never do that. I didn't know his grandfather, but it's interesting that it's a part of who I am. It doesn't bother me, but it really bothered my dad. And Jesus has people like that throughout his lineage because humanity isn't perfect. We're never going to find that truly perfect royal line anywhere in the world. And in fact, oftentimes it's in the royal lines that you see so much sin because pride certainly gets the best of us and there's always that, the power that people want. So you will see that. Of course, Jesus didn't want any of that and he came to be a humble servant. And that is what is so beautiful about this lineage. As I look at these women, four of which, and the wife of Uriah, Uriah was not an Israelite. He came from a different background. So I'm not sure about Bathsheba. So there is all of that blood. And so do you know what that means? It means that Jesus' bloodline, although this is through Joseph, and we know he didn't actually have the blood of Joseph in him, but Mary's 
my understanding from a commentary I read is that Mary's bloodline also goes back to David. So this would fit for her as well. Jesus was a mixed ancestry. That blew my mind away when I read that because we always think of the Jewish nation as being such a pure nation because God did separate them and set them apart. Now, of course, today it's completely different because that intermarrying isn't as challenging as it used to be back in the time in in the times of the Bible. But Jesus was of mixed ancestry through his earthly bloodline. Jesus is the son of God. So he was a divine human. We should never lose sight of that thought, but or that ideology. But his bloodline of the people that he is connected to through his genealogy makes him of mixed race. How cool is that? That the human part of Jesus was not just one bloodline, a pure royal bloodline of Jewish people, but rather there were those marriages that were woven in to make him, to have him have both parts Gentile as well as Jewish. And certainly he was of Jewish descent, and certainly that is how he lived his life, and certainly that he died during the time of the Passover celebration. But he also represented many countries, even from the beginning. And I think that that is such a great thing for us to hear today, because I think that oftentimes, kind of like Santa Claus, we try to put Jesus in the box of who we are. You know, I am of Anglo descent, Norwegian and German and English. And so that is a very blue-eyed, light-haired, light-skinned person. That's not who Jesus was. He didn't live in this part of the country or that part of Europe that my ancestors come from. He came from the land of Israel and has that coloring, dark hair, dark eyes, more olive-toned skin probably, maybe even darker as some of these other bloodlines were in him as well, but probably would look like any other Middle Eastern person that we saw. So I think that is just such a cool part of who Jesus was, and I never thought of it before, but it, it shows that he does represent all of us. So that was a really cool thing that I learned actually in this time of sitting down and studying. I encourage you to go through and read the first chapter of Matthew and see the interesting things that you will find there. I love how Matthew divided them up into 14 generations. When you write the name of David in Hebrew, it somehow is related to the number 14. And I don't know what, what Matthew was trying to say with all that, but I think it's really cool that he did it that way. And then one more thing that I want to say about the genealogy of both Matthew and Luke. They do have their differences. The, the most important part is there. Both of them have Abraham, and both of them have David. There's the Abrahamic covenant that God made with, with Abraham. Jesus's line needs to go back to that because he is the fulfillment of, of part of that covenant, and the same with David. You know, this person, this Messiah, was going to come from the line of David. That was part of the Davidic 
covenant that God made with Israel. So Matthew and Luke meet those two very important pieces that you need in Jesus' lineage. And so I want to make sure that you know that piece of it. So I hope you'll dig in to Matthew. I also recently read uh, the the lineage in Luke because I am doing uh, Christine Trimp's The Gospel of Luke, Finding Joy in the Gospel of Luke. And uh, it was fun to read through that one. I've not studied that one as much. And it is very different because it starts with Joseph. It goes backwards and goes to Adam. But uh, I found some little nuggets in there as well. But I really wanted to focus on Matthew today because I love the fact that there are women in there. And there's not just women, but four of the five. Because, of course, one of the women is Mary, which I don't think I told you. But Mary is the last one. Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary. So that is the lineage through Joseph. But... I read a commentary that said Mary's went that way. And that makes sense because they both came from loyal, royal blood, so it would make sense that they would, that she would be a, that as well. So I hope that you learned something new. I hope it makes you more interested in reading the begats. I will say it is still harder to read the begats in the Old Testament, but there are all kinds of nuggets in there too. You might have to take it a little bit at a time rather than just trying to read all the begats, which is how I used to do it uh, just to get through it. Um, I've learned if I break it down into smaller chunks and really study it, that's where you find all the fun things that you were looking through. And you know how I love love to find Jesus in the Old Testament, and it's one of the reasons that I find the lineage so interesting. Jesus is the scarlet thread that runs through the entire Bible. Before he was born, before there was even an earth, you see the thread of Jesus go clear back to that. When you read in John 3, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. When you read that, Jesus was clear back then, and I just love to dig through and find those. And when you read this genealogy, it shows you so many of those places that you, as you study about Jesus in the Old Testament, it brings all of those to light. So, read your begats in Matthew. Send me a message. My email is Nita Wilkinson the number one at gmail.com. I would love to hear what you think after you've read Matthew 1, the lineage and genealogy of our Savior Jesus Christ. Until next week, when we talk about Mary and her obedience in having Jesus and what that means and how we can emulate it. Until then, I'm Nita Wilkinson with the In the Whisper podcast.